Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm really excited about today's podcast because this is something that I've been working and thinking about for quite a while. It's an entire podcast on coffee. Now, coffee is consumed by over a billion people worldwide, and I would say much like wine and beer, both of which I really don't enjoy, it typically requires an acquired taste. But as soon as you find the kind of coffee you love and maybe those few extra little add-ins that make it extra yummy, it can soon become ritualized. You wake up, shower, brush your teeth, you turn on the coffee pot and get your day rolling. For some of you, you may wake up and put the coffee pot on and they get going. Now, the reason I think this is an important topic to discuss is because I said earlier, about a billion people worldwide are consuming coffee. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's a Starbucks, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think the answer is somewhere in between, but we're going to go over some interesting stats that I found online. Now, I'm not 100% sure that these numbers are accurate, but if you were to think of all the countries in the world, and which country would you think where you have the highest per person consumption of coffee in the world? My first thought would have been the US because I think everybody's caffeine addicted. The number one country in the world was Finland. They consume 12 kilos per person per year. That's over 24 pounds a person. The next closest was Norway with 9.9 kilos, then Iceland. Denmark, Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, Belgium, Luxembourg, and Canada. All of those places have some commonalities. They're farther north, they're colder, they have more cloudy seasons. Now, the U.S. consumes the most bags of coffee as a country, followed by Germany, Japan, France, Italy, Russia, and a few others. I also did some digging because I'm just curious. I want to understand, like, where's the origin of coffee? Coffee is believed to have originated in the ancient forest of Ethiopia, around the 9th century, may explain why they have some of the best coffee in the world. It first became popular as a beverage in Yemen in the 15th century and then spread to other parts of the Middle East, Europe, and then eventually the Americas. Throughout history, coffee has played a significant role in cultures. Coffee houses emerged as social gathering places in the Ottoman Empire, later in Europe, where people discuss politics, literature, and art. And I think it's common now for people to do meetups at coffee shops. I personally love coffee. I absolutely love it. I've enjoyed it for quite a while. Uh, I don't want to go as far as to say I'm addicted to coffee, but I really, really enjoy it. Now, let's talk about what's in coffee. Now, there are over 100 different biological agents in coffee. But most of the research around the health impacts of coffee are focused on caffeine, rightfully so. But let's talk about one other before we get to caffeine. Antioxidants. These are substances that prevent or slow cell damage caused by free radicals. If you don't know what a free radical is, go back to your high school chemistry class. Uh, You can do a little Wikipedia digging on that. They're unstable molecules produced by the body during metabolism and in response to environmental stressors. Examples of antioxidants in coffee include cholinergic acid, furilic acid, and caffeic acid, and N-cumaric acid. They neutralize free radicals and reduce inflammation, 
thereby they are protecting cells from oxidative stress and they contribute to overall health. So there are really good compounds inside of coffee. Now let's get to caffeine. Caffeine is a natural stimulant and it's the most widely consumed psychoactive substance in the world. As a matter of fact, almost every research article that you can find on coffee or caffeine or both, they're going to mention this. It's the most widely consumed psychoactive substance in the world. So what's its impact on the brain? Well, in the brain, caffeine acts as an antagonist, meaning it's a blocker of adenosine A1 and A2A receptors, leading to a hyper excitability of the central nervous system. And there's a release of neurotransmitters such as dopamine and norepinephrine. And that's why you feel good after you drink coffee. You are effectively stimulated into action. So caffeine is also an ergogenic aid, meaning it improves physical performance and endurance. It also improves vigilance, dexterity, mood, memory, cognitive function. There's also evidence that caffeine intake and coffee intake can normalize anxiety. Although there's a flip side to this where in higher doses of caffeine, like if you were to drink 500 milligrams of caffeine, it can be anxiogenic by disrupting the HPA axis. So you could basically feel like you're jittery, you're out of control, you have heart palpitations, and that can make you more anxious. Now, in a recent paper published in Molecular Psychiatry, which I'm gonna highlight later, there's some really cool uh, stuff on epidemiological and animal studies that suggest that coffee, caffeine, and adenosine receptor antagonists can help reduce the risk of neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and psychiatric disorders like depression. Chronic blocking of these receptors may explain how coffee can have both short-term effects like improved uh, attention and vigilance and long-term effects like stress resistance and actual neuroprotection. That's pretty wild. Drinking coffee may actually make you more resistant to stress. We're going to circle back to this later and talk about the neurological implications of caffeine on the brain. But right now, I want to double click on longevity. I'm going to put a link to the paper I'm about to discuss in the show notes. And this paper was published last fall in 2022. And it got a lot of press because it made a lot of coffee drinkers really happy. In this large prospective cohort study published in the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology, there was about 450,000 people that participated, and they were followed over 12 and a half years. And the researchers investigated the associations between habitual coffee intake and the impact of coffee subtype, including decaffeinated coffee and other types of coffee and their impacts on cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality, so your risk of dying. Here are the main findings. Ground, instant, and decaffeinated coffee were all associated with equivalent reductions in the instance of cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular-related all-cause mortality. That's interesting. Two to three cups a day of all coffee subtypes was consistently associated with the largest risk reduction in cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, congestive cardiac failure, and all-cause mortality. Ground and instant coffee, but not decaffeinated coffee, were associated with reductions in arrhythmias 
including atrial fib- fibrillation, which I think is really interesting. Like the caffeine itself somehow helped with maybe normalizing what's called sinus rhythm. There was also a U-shaped relationship that they found that existed between caffeinated coffee intake and the incidence of any arrhythmia, including atrial fibrillation, and the largest risk reduction was present at four to five cups of coffee per day. Wow, that's quite a bit of caffeine, and that's a lot of coffee. And it seems here that with this massive study that it seems to be okay. Now, there's a lot of factors to account for. I'm not suggesting that you go out and drink four to five cups if you're not doing that right now. And we're going to talk about them a little bit later. You can you can have a, a genetic predisposition where you don't metabolize caffeine very quickly, and that could be a really bad situation for you. It also depends on how, how much you weigh, how big you are. If you're a 120-pound person, drinking five cups of coffee could send you over the moon. Uh, if you're very muscular, 250-pound at 10% body fat, it may not have the same impact. I want to pause for just a second and note that if you haven't joined the over 1,000 people that receive my Friday newsletter adaptation, you are totally missing out. This is not a spammy email. You get information and resources curated by me for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform your best. It's actionable tips. I send them out every Friday, and people absolutely love it. We have over a 50% open rate which means this is one of the top performing newsletters on the internet. Most of these newsletters get like 10%. And it's because I go into great detail to bring you information that you can use. So if you haven't checked it out, there's a link in the show notes. You can sign up. All right, now back to the show. Now the next paper I'm going to dive into gets a little bit complex. It's pretty thick. And so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. The title of the paper is Habitual Coffee Drinkers Display a Distinct Pattern of Brain Functional Connectivity, and it was published in Molecular Psychiatry. This study provides the first extended characterization of the effects of chronic coffee consumption on human brain networks. I mean, this is amazing. They had 52 subjects who were recruited and divided into two groups. One group were habitual coffee drinkers, and the other one was non-coffee drinkers. And then they did a rested functional MRI. And so these people were just laying there. They weren't doing any activities. And they were looking at like what's going on in the brain when they have coffee or they don't have coffee. And they were also assessed regarding stress, anxiety, and depression scores. Here's something that was interesting. They found that there was a decreased functional connectivity in somatosensory and related networks in coffee drinkers, which likely represents a more efficient and beneficial pattern of connections with respect to motor control and alertness. So the brain was actually wired in a more efficient manner to improve motor control and alertness. This paper also supported some information out there that had reported that caffeine increases brain entropy which means that there's higher information processing capacity across the cerebral cortex. I think everybody would like that. This paper kind of backed that up. And they found that there was kind of this dynamic state involving several cerebellar and subcortical areas with a longer average lifetime in habitual coffee drinkers. So maybe you could have more capacity for more horsepower in the brain. I think that's what everybody wants. They also noted, the authors noted that caffeine is known to decrease mind wandering. 
to increase attention, alertness, and arousal, all things that we want when we want to do focused, productive work. The last thing that I thought was super interesting is we know that when you drink caffeine that your sensory perception is alert, is, is improved. Your visual alertness and attention and readiness skills are heightened, and they found some evidence that supports that. There, there was a stronger functional connectivity between the cerebellum. That is just absolutely fascinating. One last thing that I will mention is they did find that coffee drinkers had higher levels of perceived anxiety and stress. Now, they couldn't determine causality. You know, correlation does not mean causation. They said that this was open to two interpretations. Either higher coffee, caffeine consumption leads to increased stress and anxiety, or alternatively, higher stress and anxiety induces higher coffee, caffeine consumption. Is it the chicken or the egg? We don't know. So it's just something to consider when you are determining whether you want to drink coffee or any other caffeinated beverages. You know, is this something that you want to put in your body? Does it tend to push you towards anxiety or higher levels of stress? Should be something you think about. I also want to note one more thing on this subject, and that's that other research demonstrates that prolonged ingestion in rodents, this is rats, reports that greater caffeine consumption under periods of stress may help maintain synaptic homeostasis as well as prevent mood disorders. I'm interested to know how they're just, they're studying mood disorders in rodents. That would probably be very interesting. All right, let's move on to the next paper. Now, this paper has received a lot of publicity lately. It was just published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it's called The Acute Effects of Coffee Consumption on Health Among Ambulatory Adults. It's a randomized control trial, which is the gold standard methodology for studies. This study investigated the impact of caffeine on physiology and behavior in what you would say is a natural world setting. The study involved about 100 adults between the ages of 20 and 70 who were randomly assigned to consume caffeinated coffee, or to avoid caffeine for two weeks. Participants then switched conditions after the first two weeks in their coffee consumption, heart rate, sleep, activity levels, and even blood glucose were monitored. Results indicated that caffeine consumption did not significantly affect the number of heart arrhythmias experienced by participants, except for a slight increase in what's called premature ventricular contractions or PVCs. Participants were more active on caffeine consuming days. Interesting, right? We know it's a central nervous system stimulant, biases you for action, people move more. They actually took an additional 1,000 steps during those days. However, sleep duration was lower on caffeine consuming days. With an average reduction of 36 minutes, blood glucose levels remained similar regardless of caffeine consumption. This study also examined the relationship between genetic variants related to caffeine metabolism and study outcomes. Fast metabolizers experience more arrhythmias on caffeine-consuming days, while slow metabolizers tended to sleep less. Although, again, they weren't significant. The results suggest that caffeine consumption may not elevate the risk of experiencing a cardiac arrhythmia in healthy individuals, but it does have a negative impact on sleep. So what are the implications here? If you are a fast metabolizer of caffeine, then caffeine may not have a significant impact on your sleep. However, across the study, people did sleep 36 less minutes per night. So there are some behavioral things that you may want to consider regarding when you consume caffeine. The half-life 
of caffeine in coffee is roughly three to five hours. Okay, so let's say you were to have two cups of coffee, 200 milligrams, roughly around three o'clock. Okay, that means that roughly five hours later, there's still 100 milligrams of caffeine in your body, 8 p.m. That means 10 hours later, there's a quarter of that still left in your system. Roughly 12 hours later is when it fully leaves your system when you're asleep. So you're caffeinated way longer than you may want to be. And if you're a slow metabolizer, this could lead to you staying up later, not because you're a night owl, which research demonstrates that about 9% of the population is truly night owls. Our behavior is what's keeping us up, not our genetics. Then you're staying up later and you're not getting enough sleep. That can have a detrimental effect on a lot of things. You've heard me talk about sleep probably more than you want to hear on this podcast. So... If you want to consume caffeine, consume it in the morning, probably shut it off around 12 or 1 o'clock if you're a slow metabolizer. If you're a fast metabolizer, you could, you may be able to drink it a little bit later. It's a personal decision. So how much coffee is it safe to drink in a day? It's generally considered that three to four cups of coffee is safe. I know that paper I mentioned earlier, up to five cups, that's roughly 400 milligrams per day is considered safe for adults. You know, if you're nursing or pregnant, it's definitely something you're probably going to want to reconsider. Side effects for significant caffeine consumption include insomnia, jitters, increased heart rate. You can have digestive issues. So there's a lot of things that you're going to want to consider. Again, it's a personal issue. So I don't want to encourage somebody that's never had caffeine before to just go out and pick up a coffee habit. But if you if you drink coffee, you drink it responsibly, it, the research is demonstrating they can be very healthy for you. It actually could elongate your life, lower your risk of cardiovascular disease, may positively impact your brain. Again, just like everything else, whether it's exercise or anything that places a stress or a load on your body, it needs to be done sensibly. Now, the next obvious question is, well, Eric, what do you drink? You love coffee so much. It's really funny. Several months ago, I posted something about coffee and a company called Purity Coffee put something in my DMs about their coffee. And I was like, hey, send me some samples. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm not getting paid for this. This is not like, a, you know, Eric's getting paid to promote this stuff. As a matter of fact, I asked them if I could get a coupon code for y'all to get a discount on their coffee because I love it so much because here's why. It's organic, it's sourced well, it's sourced in a sustainable way. They have several single origin types of coffee that are fully traceable. The coffee tastes amazing. And for me, that's really important. I don't want to have a lot of the issues that you can have with poorly sourced coffee or poorly maintained coffee. It can get moldy. There can be pesticides. There can be a lot of bad things in these coffee beans if they are not sourced, packaged, and delivered in a sensible way and in a way that you can trust. And so I've been drinking Purity Coffee for several months. I really like it. If you want to check it out, there's a link in the show notes. Well, that wraps up our discussion on coffee and caffeine. And if you have a friend that loves coffee, definitely please share this with them. And if you have a friend that maybe is like skeptical on caffeine or doesn't know if it's good for them or bad for them, this might be a good resource. Also, If you've been listening for a while and you haven't left us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you're joining us from, please push pause right now 
and go do that, as that is one of the best ways that you can support the show and help us get the message out to more people because these algorithms depend on that. So I'd really, really appreciate that. We've gotten over 100 comments. We should have at least 500 comments because we got well over 5,000 people. Isn't that amazing listening to the show every month? I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.